Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about why the next property you buy is the most important one. Uh, Now, it's a bit of a silly title, I guess, for a podcast because really every property you buy uh, is arguably important either to you from a lifestyle perspective or financial. Uh, And in fact, I contemplated uh, titling this podcast why the first property you buy is the most important one. But the reality is if you've made a mistake on you know, the properties, the property or properties that you currently own, the reality is you can always start again and, and make it afresh. But I guess the general theme of the podcast today is really about the compounding impact, positive impact of buying the right property. And it's absolutely critical to understand, um, I think, for all investors, uh, but particularly, I think, for first-time buyers as well, It's a really important point to appreciate. So let me start with explaining it, I guess, using an example. And my example is uh, husband and wife, Rick and Karen, they go out and buy or they're contemplating buying their first home. And they're really comparing two properties. Property A is considered to be investment grade, uh, although it's a bit of an older style. It's not as shiny and new, but has pretty good growth prospects, let's say 6% per annum over the next five years. That's the average growth rate that we've got this crystal ball that we can see. Whereas property B is a newer property, very shiny and new, good appliances, very livable, etc., but has significantly inferior growth prospects, mainly because it's mostly building value than land value. And it will only appreciate by 1% on average over the next five years. Both properties cost uh, $750,000, and Rick and Karen need to borrow 700000 because they're first-home buyers. They don't have a, a, a massive deposit or a large amount of equity. Uh, after five years of principal interest loan repayments, the balance of Rick and Karen's loan is expected to reduce from seven hundred down to $622,000. So they've repaid circa $80,000 over that five-year period. The value of property A in five years' time, is projected to be around about a million dollars, whereas property B would only be worth $790,000. So therefore, if Rick and Karen choose to buy property A, they will have $378,000 of equity in their property. However, if they purchase to buy property B, the lower growth one, they'll have less than half the amount of equity at $168,000. That's a difference of over $200,000 in only five years. Now, you might be thinking, well, Stuart, that's substantial. And uh, of course, now I need to be really thinking very carefully about my next acquisition. But it's worse or better, depending on which way you look at it, because the, the impact of that decision to buy either property A or property B will have much longer term consequences. So let's, let's continue with the example and let's say in five years' time, Rick and Karen are, are deciding to or contemplating starting a family and they want to upgrade their property and buy a larger family home. The difference in equity in their properties, whether they've gone property A or property B, will substantially impact their budget for this next upgrade. 
So let's assume they only want to borrow a maximum of 80% of the, the new property's value. So they want to contribute a 20% deposit plus costs and so forth. Well, if they've purchased property A, which means they have $378,000 of equity, Rick and Karen will be able to spend up to $1.45 million on a new home, borrowing 80%, allowing for stamp duty and so forth. However, with the smaller deposit, property B, $168,000, their budget will only extend to $650,000, which is less than the property they own today. And in fact, if they want to push their budget and say borrow not 80%, but 90% and extend their budget to a million dollars, they'll have to pay for what's called lender's mortgage insurance, which is a one-off cost, and that'll cost north of $35,000. So as you can see, the impact of just that first decision of property A or property B not only has impact on, say, the next five years, but that impact... If it's positive, will compound positively, and if it's negative, will compound negatively. And let's talk about that compounding because in the uh, show notes and on the blog on the website, I include a chart that sort of charts the the growth gap, if you like, the equity gap gap between buying property A and property B and then upgrading. Because if you have to then upgrade uh, to a, a different location, if you're if you're if you're shy or or low on budget um, in terms of deposit. Uh, it means that you're going to have to probably buy further out. So you get further out, uh, your growth prospects get inferior, and the growth gap is significant. So let's say that with an upgrade, they end up spending $800,000, but it's a out-of-line suburb, whereas 1.4 allows them to keep in, in, in the sort of inner ring uh, within a, a capital city market. Uh, we'll actually chart the difference in equity and sort of over a 30-year period, uh, that it, that difference is several millions of dollars. And that's why the next property you buy uh, is probably one of the most important decisions you'll make because if you do well, if you make a smart decision around it, uh, the benefits will compound, whereas if you don't, the negative benefits will compound as a result of that decision. So not only uh, does it impact the amount of equity then you have in your home, it then impacts your um, future investment ideas or strategies as well. Because if someone has a substantial amount of equity in home, we can put that to work. We can borrow to buy an investment property or um, uh, build a share portfolio outside of the family home, uh, but using that equity and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, So should you then... Uh, go out and buy a property to make a quick profit. So if we now we know the now we know what we know from the simple maths, should should it just be a case of let's go and find a property so that we can maximise the value over the next five years? Who cares about the long term consequences? And the answer to that question is no. You need to do both. You first must go and buy an investment grade property that has sound fundamentals that are going to drive above average long term capital growth. That's what you must do, and you must never compromise on that. Or or at least if you compromise on that, know full well that you're taking what I would say would be unacceptable risk. However, if the goal is to try and leverage that equity uh, in the shorter term, then you must give consideration to um, uh, some strategies that you can implement 
to uh, maximise the chances that your gains will be in the earlier periods of ownership rather than the later periods of ownership. But you must not compromise on the quality of the asset. There's three ideas I have to share with you that you could consider. The first one is picking the type of property that is likely to outperform. So in some areas in Melbourne, uh, it is my view that villa villa units will outperform apartments. It's going to depend very much on apartment supply to some degree. Um, But because they have typically a little bit more land value uh, and there's a greater scope then to actually improve the aspect and appearance of that property. Uh, So picking the type of property that is more likely to generate or benefit um, growth uh, or deliver growth uh, is one strategy. The second one is pick a location uh, that is already providing above average growth momentum. Now, this can be really difficult to accurately predict, so be really careful. But some investment grade locations are more popular or trendy than others, and riding that momentum Uh, can be helpful in terms of delivering growth rather than trying to pick a a steady performer, uh, try and go somewhere that's trendy uh, and that's really appreciating for from immediate significant demand while still buying something that is fundamentally sound. And the third idea is to buy a property that's going to benefit from cosmetic improvements. So economically upgrading kitchens and bathrooms, for example, I'm not talking about full renovations. I'm really talking about sp- uh, spending the min- minimum amount and getting the, the greatest return, the greatest appreciation of value as possible. Coat of paint, new carpets, uh, c- these sorts of things don't necessarily cost a substantial amount of money, but will make substantial improvements. And you might be able to do one or all three of those things Uh, But it's certainly important, as I keep banging on about, that you must absolutely still ensure the property has sound, good, long-term fundamentals. That way, if you mess up those three tactics that I just talked about, at least you'll be left with a decent quality property that's going to give you decent returns over the long run. So you're still uh, playing that game, I guess, playing the long game. Uh, As I said, this is particularly uh, pertinent for uh, first home buyers. I guess from a couple of perspectives, firstly, um, uh, when we're starting out, we don't know what we don't know. uh, And quite often, uh, property investors uh, and property owners tend to learn through experience. uh, And so sometimes we need to make a couple of mistakes. We don't need to make. Sometimes we often make a couple of mistakes before we work it all out. Uh, So if we can impart this knowledge Uh, At the beginning, um, before we make these mistakes, learn from other people's mistakes per se, uh, then that certainly helps. But most importantly, it helps first-home buyers because they tend to have a weaker asset base. Uh, So they don't have a lot of net worth. um, And someone with a, a relatively small deposit, if they go and buy well, they can change that small deposit into some substantial amount of equity as I alluded to in my example of Rick and Karen, uh, over what is a relatively short period of time, five years can be a relatively short period of time. Plus also, uh, first-time buyers tend to have lower, uh, below average incomes as well. So saving after-tax dollars uh, can be a very difficult, um, a difficult thing to do to stay, save any substantial amounts. So therefore, if they can build their wealth through capital growth, through buying well, that can have a substantial difference as well. And it's not 
um, insurmountable for someone to be able to take a what is a forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar deposit and double, triple it or quadruple it over a relatively short period of time. And because they're kind of in their first, they're sort of beginning that investment journey, that kind of financial kickstart, for want of a better word, uh, will really catapult their future plans. And that compounding benefit, again, as I keep talking about, will be uh, really important. So for those of you that are listening that are first-home buyers, uh, hopefully you can um, uh, appreciate the importance of buying well. Uh, and for those of you who know first-home buyers, which could be your kids, uh, it's a great way to educate them. I was just thinking, actually, as I was saying that, about me talking to my sons about buying property, who are only 13 at the moment, and I could almost visualise them rolling their eyes as I'm saying it. Anyway, uh, try and educate them as, as much as they'll listen to you as parents. Uh, as parents, what would you know? Anyway, um, uh, if you, what, so what do you do if you've got the wrong property asset at the moment? So people listening to this going, yep, I get it, Stuart. Buying well is super important. Um, unfortunately, uh, that information is a little bit too late. I bought this property a few years ago and it's not working for me. And what do I do next? Well, the first thing is, the, the first great thing is recognize the mistake. Make friends with the mistake that you made. Um, you, you, of course, it's not a mistake because you thought you were doing the right thing at the time, um, but recognising that you now have a, a problem that needs a, a solution is the first part of the, the strategy. Uh, what you need to do is make friends with divesting of that property. Uh, you don't necessarily, in most circumstances, need to go and sell it tomorrow, fire, sell it, you know, just get rid of it. Uh, it's not like that. It's really about um, strategically picking the best time to sell that asset, let's say over the next three years, two or three years. Uh, as long as you can commit to a timeline like that, then it's likely you're going to proactively position yourself to maximise the sale proceeds from that asset. You don't need to sell it in the next six months, but also you don't want to um, hold on to the property for another six years either before moving forward. So sell it, get rid of it, um, learn from your experiences uh, and don't repeat the same mistakes and make sure you buy well. Now, this concept of buying well, uh, I think, is equally applicable to uh, investment properties as it is to buying a home. I try and counsel my clients to apply an investment lens when selecting a owner-occupied property uh, as much as possible. Sometimes that's just not practical because of the location or type of property we want to buy. And I appreciate a home purchase is very much driven by lifestyle considerations. Um, but quite often or more often than not, uh, we're able to uh, do both. Find an asset in a location that's likely to tick all our lifestyle boxes and also buy well, something that's fundamentally sound, that has a strong land value component, has scarcity and has proven performance, all the three things that I've spoken about in the past that make up an investment grade property. So this idea that buying well uh, catapults you financially is equally applicable to owner occupiers, so home purchases and also investors. Anyway, that's it from me this week. I hope that's been useful. As always, there's links and more information in the show notes and the blog on our website. And if you do enjoy the podcast, it would be wonderful for you to share it with family or friends or anyone that you think might also enjoy some value. Until next week, bye for now.